Bismillah, bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawalah amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah So we finished off with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Musa alayhi salam Idhhab ila fir'awna innahu taha Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what? Go to fir'awn, indeed he has transgressed all limits. Taha, he has crossed the line. He's gone over tajawaza. He's gone over the edge. Now this should be a reminder to us, uh, just one more point on this ayah, which is what? That the lesson is we all sin. We're all human beings and we all make mistakes and we should be repenting regularly. Why? Because we don't know which sin may be the one that's going to cross the line with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will demand some sort of a repercussion. Clearly Fir'aun was doing all kinds of the worst of the deeds. SubhanAllah, we talked about that, uh, the worst of the worst. And there's a certain point where it's like, all right, now you're going to be have to, now, you know, Allah Ta'ala is going to send somebody who is going to correct you, fix you, or ultimately destroy you. I mean, that's at the, at the end of the day, that's what took place. And so obviously on a much smaller scale, but still the lesson should be there for all of us that we need to repent regularly because we don't want Allah Ta'ala to send somebody or something our way to perhaps take us out. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from that. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Then Allah Ta'ala says what? Faqul and say to him, would you be willing to purify yourself? SubhanAllah, the fact that it's in the form of a question. The fact that it's such a gentle question. It's such a beautiful question. And there's a few uh, 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 features of the Arabic language we need to pay attention to. There are two readings of this. It's فَقُلْ هَلَّكَ إِلَىٰ أَن or تَزَكَّى There could be a shadda on the zay here. However, there is an, an omitted word, mahdhuf, uh, it seems, alam, that scholars say that it, what's being represented here is Would you have any inclination towards self-purification? Does that incline, do you have any inclination? Is there anything inside of you that is leaning towards this concept? Perhaps at some point in your life, you may have had this reflection, this realization, I wish I had somebody to teach me. Now that I have all the external, all the material, I need something interior, you know, on the, on the inside to purify myself. Has this ever, have you ever inclined towards that? Just trying to spark that something within his heart. Self-purification implies that there's some sort of filth within the person, something wrong. And an arrogant person, unfortunately, doesn't accept the premise that there's something wrong with them. And therefore, they never incline towards self-purification. Purification from, obviously, shirk, from kufr, all these different evils, all the different uh, injustice he was committing to Ben Israel. And again, when you look at this word tezkiyah, for example, it is used by Musa salam, when he was with Khidr salam, and Khidr uh, uh, struck and killed a young boy. And he responded and said, have you killed an innocent person? So again, Zakiya implies what? That there's innocence to you. And Fir'aun would only be interested in Musa's offer, Musa salam's offer, if he thought that he had some guilt. But obviously he would never admit such a thing. He thinks of himself as completely pure and innocent like a child, subhanAllah. This goes to show the level of arrogance. Now, what's interesting is that Musa salam is bringing the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which would only be accepted if a person has their own light, the fitrah, right? There's a certain light within our hearts, this natural fitrah that inclines towards Allah ta'ala. And then Allah ta'ala sends another light, which is revelation and when these two meet it's so beautiful because this is what Allah describes as what nurun ala nur light upon light the light of revelation meeting the light in the heart of fitrah when these two come together it's light upon light but unfortunately it seems that his fitrah is so corrupt that there isn't even a flicker not even an inclination towards good 
This is also a very powerful message to who? Again, we can't forget the context. This is a message to the Quraysh. The Quraysh were listening to this. The disbelievers, these are the ones who were just earlier mocking the idea of resurrection. Are we seriously going to be brought back? They're laughing about this concept because they don't have anything inside them urging them towards self-improvement. Their inner goodness, their fitrah, has long died since they become entirely arrogant and yet they aren't even as powerful and as rich as Fir'aun was. In fact, to be honest, compared to him, they're kind of nobodies. So the question is, and you could see this sort of being implied, it's actually kind of funny, the idea is saying what? If arrogance is ugly when you see it in a great king like Fir'aun, how much uglier is it when you see it in a nobody like yourself? That you could say is kind of the subtext that the Quraysh are getting. Because they think of themselves as, you know, big shots. But at the, at the same time, yeah, you're a big shot in this, you know, small area of Arabia, which to be honest, the Romans nor the Persians don't even want to conquer it because it's not even worth the trouble. You know, you guys think of yourselves in, basically you're, a, 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 you know, a big fish in a small pond, you know? Like this is a very small, like you think of yourself as big, but you're really not that important. And so it's funny that Allah Ta'ala is now bringing the example of Fir'aun and showing this is how ugly arrogance is, even when you're at the height of riches and power and fame and so forth. So what about you guys? So we should all take this reflection as well in ourselves. Furthermore, the word tazakka is actually shortened. It's a brief version of tatazakka. Tatazakka would be a more complete form of the verb. But the fact that Allah Ta'ala used the shorter one actually has a very specific implication. It's as if to say, is there anything, even something small in you that inclines towards purification? If the full version was used, tatazakka, it would imply, it would imply, aren't you inclined to purify yourself entirely? Aren't you inclined towards pure, uh, like complete purification and self-purification? Don't you want to become a much more, you know, insan kamil, like a perfect, you know, a good human being that is completely purified? But you might say, you know, that's, that's really hard to achieve. Fine. Do you, is there anything that wants even a little bit of purification? Isn't there one issue that you'd want to improve upon? SubhanAllah, the wording is very particular. And of course, this answers a very big question that we should all have. What can you offer a man that has everything in this dunya? What can you offer such a man who's got every, every riches? What can you give him as a gift? And it seems that there's only one thing better than all the material possessions uh, combined, and that is what? Tazkiyah, spirituality, a sound heart. Qalbun Salim, subhanAllah, very, very powerful. Now, what did he come and say to him? Obviously, this surah doesn't mention uh, uh, certain sentences that are mentioned in other surahs, and so we're going to take a look at Surah Taha. Allah mentions in ayah number 44, And speak to him with gentle speech that perhaps he may, be, he may be reminded or he may have fear. So Allah Ta'ala here is saying what? is saying, speak to him with what? Qawl layin, layin, soft, gentle speech. This is incredible because we have to remind ourselves that even when we're dealing with the worst of people, as so long as they're not, I mean, obviously if somebody attacks you and is harsh towards you, then you have the right to be harsh back. But this is the beginning of the conversation. Allah is saying, go to him and the way you start, you make sure you begin and you try to maintain civility and kindness and softness. Obviously, if things get rough after that, then obviously you can change. I mean, we're not pacifists that just keep on taking abuse. That's not the case. But at the beginning of the conversation, you want to start and try as best you can to maintain civility and kindness. And this is the exact same command that came to the Prophet ﷺ. And Allah Ta'ala mentions this one. 
Allah says, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضْضًا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ So by, it is uh, by the mercy from Allah Ta'ala that you, O Muhammad Sallallahu were lenient with them. And if you had been rude in speech or harsh-hearted, they would have disbanded from around you. They would have all gotten away from you. So we have Musa Alayhi and the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu both of them being told what you have to maintain that softness with people, even if they are harsh. There's the very funny incident that took place with Harun al-Rashid, who was a uh, Abbasi, Abbasid uh, caliph or Khalifa. And uh, that some of the you know preachers and teachers and scholars they came to him. And one of them says, And one guy says to him, Listen, I'm going to speak and I'm going to be harsh, so you have to bear with me, O leader of the believers. You have to you know, be patient with me. He says, no, no, I don't. <laughs> no, brother, I don't have to be patient. And he says, what? You're no better than uh, Musa and Harun were. And I'm no worse. And I'm not more of a, a wicked person, an evil disbeliever than Fir'aun was. And Allah said to both Musa and Harun that speak to him in a gentle way. He says, so be gentle with me, be gentle with me, and don't speak to me harsh words, uh, speak, don't speak harsh words to me, rather remind me with the truth that is more in line with gentleness. So subhanAllah, uh, it's a very interesting story. It's, it has different wordings and different, uh, uh, you know, it's worded differently in different stories, but the idea is very, very beautiful. That, hey, look, I'm no worse than Fir'aun and you're no better than Musa, so take it easy. Why are you getting so excited and screaming at me in a harsh way? We should keep this in mind. But there is an important caveat to this. When it comes to criticizing the rulers, you know, there are certain groups of people that they say, no, no, you can never criticize a Muslim ruler no matter what. Uh, Imam al-Sa'adi, rahimahullah, he wrote something very, very interesting. He said, all of the ahadith that refer to privately criticizing the ruler face to face, because there are a number of ahadith that say, look, if your ruler, if you're the Amir al-Mu'minin does something wrong, you have to criticize him privately, that's better. So he says all these ahadith referring to privately criticizing the ruler face to face must be understood in the context of the rulers allowing such a thing. It has to be actually possible, otherwise it doesn't make sense. This, uh, this was what Uthman ibn Affan anhu, did when he was the Khalifa. When he, uh, he allowed the Sahaba who disagreed with him to come to his home and criticize him. He would then change his policies according to the criticism of the other Sahaba that they gave him. And it is for this reason, and this reason alone, that the Sahaba considered it evil to criticize the Khalifa in public in reference to Uthman anhu. But when the context is absent, when the ruler does not listen to criticism even privately, when the ruler does not allow for people to come and confront him face to face, then it becomes an obligation to criticize the rulers in public without hesitation. This is because if criticism is not made public, then the truth will become forever lost and tyranny will prevail uh, until not a single person will know what is the truth against falsehood. So I hope that point is clear, that when people say, hey, you can't criticize the rulers, you can't criticize the rulers. Yes, that's true when the rulers will actually take advice. Right? When they'll actually listen to you and process it and inshallah apply it. But if they don't even, if you can't even meet this person, you can't even set an appointment, then no, obviously, if all sorts of evil is being done, even in a Muslim country, then you're allowed to say, look, this is evil, this is haram, this is wrong. And unfortunately, many Muslim, uh, many scholars are in jail because of this very fact, uh, because they, uh, I mean, they're scholars, they know the deen, obviously, they study for many years. And subhanAllah, what did they come to the conclusion of? They have to say the truth, and therefore they get jailed for it. Anyway, uh, this is something that's important to keep in mind. 
Now, another important point. Sometimes we say to ourselves, I'm not going to give da'wah to so-and-so because they're too far gone. They're too evil. They're too wicked. There's no point of giving that person da'wah. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, go to Fir'aun. Don't lose hope in the worst of people. It's a very important lesson here. Don't lose hope in the worst of people. Why? Because sometimes the worst of people are in the best position for da'wah. Why is that the case? There's a nice proverb in the Arabic language. It says what? It's possible that a sin causes the perpetrator to enter paradise. Sounds paradoxical. Why? Why would that be the case? How is it that a sin would enter me into paradise? Well, in other words, sometimes it's a sinful person who is the best candidate for da'wah because they've seen how unsatisfying the pleasures of sin can be. They've done it all, quote unquote, and are now disillusioned with what this dunya has to offer. This is a very, very important point. Sometimes a person who doesn't practice any sort of haram, but they admire it, they stare at it online, they wish they could do it. They just watch people in, I don't know, you know, uh, online, talking about going to the club and doing this and doing that, and they admire it from afar, but they've never done it. And it could be that, that the case that the person who's actually involved in that criminal life, involved in that haram life, involved with drugs, and involved, involved with all this partying, that person who's like, look, I actually know what that life is like. I don't just you know, uh, like it on, online, or I don't just stare at it online and talk about it with my friends, and oh, if I was this person, I'd do this. No, no, I actually do this stuff. I go to these clubs, and I've tried all of this, and I've done all of that, all the haram, I've done it. And because of that, I'm the best person to tell you that it's honestly really boring after a while and I'm really sick of it and it offers nothing and you're expecting that it's going to give you this some sort of joy and happiness and it really doesn't. And so you might think that this person is the worst candidate for da'wah because he's involved in all sorts of haram and it could be the case that it's just the opposite. This is why Musa is going to Fir'aun and saying, look, you've done it all. You have it all. So is it possible that there's something that you don't have, which is what? internal satisfaction. And obviously, subhanAllah, this is Allah Ta'ala inviting Fir'aun. Can you imagine inviting Fir'aun to success? You'd think of all people, you want him to succeed? Yes, because Allah says what? قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Successful is the one who does tazkiyah. Successful is the one who purifies himself. And Allah is saying, go to him and say, هَلَّكَ إِلَىٰ أَنْ تَزَكَّى Do you want this tazkiyah? So subhanAllah, he actually wants him to be successful. So if that is the case for the worst of the worst, Fir'aun, then what about you and me? We should never think to ourselves. We should never have this idea that Allah Ta'ala isn't on my side. You know, Allah Ta'ala is, is being unfair to me, is being too harsh to me, is almost my enemy, is bullying me, is treating me badly. A'udhu Billah, SubhanAllah. Allah Ta'ala is high above these negative thoughts. We should always remember, if he wanted even Fir'aun to receive da'wah and Fir'aun to receive tazkiyah, and that is the greatest of success, then of course, uh, 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 he wants success for me and therefore we should embrace whatever tests come and try to pass them in the best way possible inshallah ta'ala. An another point on this ayah, I know I'm going along on this ayah because there's a lot of points here. One of them is what? Most of the time when we give da'wah, we begin our da'wah by explaining why Islam is going to make you a better person. This religion, it's the truth, you pray, you feel better, you fast, you give charity, it makes you a good person. You keep telling the person, this is what makes you better, this is what makes you better. You keep pitching this idea that Islam is going to make you better. But you haven't yet asked the, the, the most obvious question, which is what? Do you want to become better? And this is exactly how Musa salam starts. And sometimes we need to start on that track first. This is a really amazing advice. Before you start telling them how Islam is going to make them better, you first have to start with the, with the first primary question. Do you want to become better? Do you want to improve? By asking this question, you force the listener to either expose their arrogance by saying, no, I don't want to improve, and then it just looks terrible. <laughs> they, have to, they have to face themselves and face the reality that I think I'm perfect, and they look at themselves in the mirror and say, I can't believe I don't want any improvement. That's terrible. Or it forces them to give you 
their attention because you say because they have to say what? Yes, I do want to improve. Okay, good. Let me tell you how. And now they are putting themselves in a position where they're going to listen, inshallah ta'ala. There's a nice proverb that says, the man who thinks he can live without others is mistaken. The one who thinks others can't live without him is even more deluded. And so this is the case, unfortunately, with Fir'aun. One more ayah, inshallah ta'ala. I know this was a big one. So we're going to go over one more ayah. One more ayah. Allah says what? وَأَهَدِيَكِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَتَخْشَىٰ And let me guide you. So not only am I calling you to tezkiyah, self-purification, let me also guide you to your master. I think this triggered him. Why? Because later on he says, I'm your greatest master. I'm the great Lord. So the fact that he said, I'm going to guide you to your master. Oh, that might have made him upset. But he has to speak the truth. I'm going to guide you to your master. So you develop a sense of awe and reverence and veneration, a sense of khashya, fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Allah ta'ala can punish you. You have to be aware of what's happening. So subhanAllah, a few points here. The fact that he says, guide you to. In Fatiha, do we say Ihdina ila as-sirat al-mustaqim? Is the word ila there or no? No, we say Ihdina as-sirat al-mustaqim. Guide me upon, Ya Allah, guide me upon the straight path. There's a big difference between guiding me upon this path, being with me in every moment, helping me with every decision, helping me to be strong enough to take every step on the straight path, versus what? Can you guide me to Ida, to the path? As in, yeah, no problem. You go down this road, you take a left, you take a right, and there, I've guided you, I'm not gonna help you, I'm not gonna carry you each step, I'm not gonna walk with you and make sure I go with you in every step, no. So this is what a human being can offer versus what Allah Ta'ala can offer. Allah Ta'ala can be with you every step of the way, ensuring that you have the strength and the motivation to keep going, can help you along the path with every step. But a human being, Musa alayhi is saying what? Let me just guide you along the path. You still have to do the work. Very, very interesting difference. Musa alayhi salam, yes, described him as Allah Ta'ala as Rabbik. And then of course this must have uh, triggered him as I mentioned. And then Allah says what? Musa salam is saying that his guidance will make Fir'aun feel awe and reverence, which is something that Fir'aun doesn't experience in his mind because he thinks there's nothing greater than himself. So yes, when we give da'wah, we often offer information. Here's the Qur'an. Let me tell you about, you know, the, what Islam is about, the basic information. Here, Musa salam gets straight to the point by skipping the middleman, skipping the information, and describing what he's going to get as a result of this information, which is what? Purification, tazkiyah. And khashya, fear and awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me get right to the point. Let me speak to your heart so you can see the effect that's going to take place, subhanAllah. And remember, kindness isn't weakness and harshness isn't strength. That Musa alayhi salam is being very sweet here and subhanAllah, uh, you know, this is demonstrating uh, so much beauty in his speech. Now, a few final points inshallah ta'ala is what? Let's think about the, about the three things that Musa alayhi salam is offering. Tazkiyah, do you want tazkiyah, number one? وَأَهْدِيَكَ يعني هداية, guidance. So tezkiyah, self-purification, hidayah, guidance, and then khashya, awe, fear, and reverence. Why this combination and why in this order? Seems like a curious question. So there's a few ways of looking at this. Number one, tezkiyah could be the internal transformation of correcting one's beliefs. You have false ideas, tezkiyah, I'm going to purify you of your shirk. I'm going to remove these false ideas. I'm going to internally purify you. Hidayah, guidance, is about movement. I'm going to guide you on the path. You're going to go along, you're going to move. And so that's the external transformation of correcting one's behavior. So you have the internal ideas first, beliefs, let me correct those first, and now your behavior second. This is really similar to what? La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah, correct your beliefs. Throw away shirk, believe in only Allah. Muhammad Rasulullah, correct your actions, follow the sunnah. He's the best example. 
You guys see the combination? So, wallahu alam, that seems to be the case. Now, when these two come together, khashya will result. Why? Because when you know the truth and you practice the truth, this combination is going to increase your iman. And when your iman increases, this will give you a sense of awe and reverence and veneration. As Allah Ta'ala says, that the true khashya only comes from people of ilm that what know and practice ulama. These people have true khashya. So when these two things come together, subhanAllah, it, uh, uh, proper knowledge and then proper practice, you find that the khashya increases. So that's one pers- perspective on it. Khashya is a gift. Why? Because subhanAllah, it makes you more cautious. When you have this fear of Allah, you become more cautious. And as they say, everybody knows the expression, better safe than sorry. You become more cautious, you do things more safely, and therefore what? You benefit from it. And in fact, subhanAllah is a very beautiful hadith on this subject. The Prophet says what? Man khafa adlaja. Whoever fears, as in fears like when he's traveling, and he's, he's afraid of, uh, let's say, raiders coming and attacking him, he's going to go out during the nighttime. Why? Because when you, when you travel by night, the raiders don't see you. And so therefore, you don't get attacked. You know, if you're traveling by day, you're out in the middle of the desert, someone can see you from a distance, they come and attack. So he says, if you fear, travel by night. And whoever travels by night, he's going to arrive at his destination, inshallah. And then he says, what? Indeed, Allah's merchandise is precious. Indeed, Allah's merchandise is paradise. So in other words, saying what? If you are going to be cautious to stay away from the raiders and the attackers during the day and travel by night, you should be even more cautious of what? Of, of your possessions with Allah. Because obviously when you get raided, you get your sila'ah, you get your merchandise stolen from you, right? He's saying you're cautious of raiders and them stealing your uh, uh, merchandise. Be even more afraid of Allah Ta'ala taking away his merchandise, which is what? Paradise. So in other words, if you have fear of raiders, you should be even more afraid and have more khashya of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Ultimately saying what? That being careful is going to benefit you in the end. And the final point, inshallah Ta'ala, is that there seems to be, and some you know, uh, uh, people who fo- focus on you know, uh, uh, tezkiyah, they often talk about this, this idea of takhliyah, and then tahliyah, and then tajliyah. So all of them just have one dot difference, right? Uh, takhliyah, the khaz on top, and then tahliyah, there is no dot, and then tajliyah, the dot is on the bottom. Anyway, whatever. So th- these three words mean what? Number one, evacuation. Takhliyah is evacuation, getting rid of your evil deeds. Tahliyah is decoration, as in starting to do good deeds and decorate your life with good good actions. And then tajliyah means enlightenment. Now that you do, now that you have rid yourself of the evil and embraced the good, now you become an enlightened individual. So these three stages are described in different uh, books and you know talking about how to self improvement. And what's interesting is that you have halaka ilan tazakka. Do you want tazkiyah? Do you want to get rid of all the evil? And then wa and I'm going to guide you to good actions. That's the tahliyah, adornment, make you beautiful with good deeds. And then what khashiyah have the khashya, the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the enlightenment, understanding who Allah is and genuinely having awe. Why? Because you're of the ulama, the people who have true knowledge and understanding and practice, they have true understanding, enlightenment, and therefore they have genuine khashya of Allah ta'ala. So it's really, really beautiful, the order of these three. You can look at it from these two different perspectives, and Allah knows best. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, I will close, and inshallah we will open up for comments and questions. Jamdal khairan, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala, wa barakatuh.